0: A Biz 1440, KYCR, Golden Valley. We think that listening with our app is a great investment of your time. Download it free today. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Major theme park has reopened its doors in the Golden State.
1: Disneyland has reopened after a 13-month closure. Iconic theme park in Southern Cal... It was closed under the state's strict virus rules, but swung open the gates Friday and visitors became uh, very happy to be there. Capacity, though, is limited, and for the time being, only in-state visitors are being allowed. That is correspondent Jason Walker reporting.
0: Conservative U.S. Senator Steve Daines of Montana says... What he calls the Democrats' far-left agenda was on full display this week in President Biden's address to a joint session of Congress. These are just massive spending increases. Uh, of course, the higher taxes, doubling cap gains rates, more gun control. Danes was interviewed this week by the Salem Radio Network, and this is SRN News.
2: If you're a radio listener, one thing I'm certain of is that you're not tuning in to listen to me. So I'm sorry about the next 45 seconds. But we have specifically chose this station because we think
3: we're similar, and we'd love for you to see why our mortgage team might be a good fit for you or someone you care about. One, we've got a direct lender advantage. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. There's no middleman, which means our
2: company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. An advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. Two. Our faith is a big deal to us, and we're open about that. If we seem like a fit for you, we'd love to
0: talk. We are United Faith Mortgage.
3: UnitedFaithMortgage.com. Nice.
0: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corps 25, Meadow Park, Road, Meadow, New York, licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Consumer or Corporate Animalist number 1330, Ryan Vrack Animalist number 65233, Equal Housing Lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah.
4: I'm Staff Sergeant Mark I Anthony am Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith Cowell. I am Staff Sergeant
0: I am Alex. I'm Staff Keely. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and
5: our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before.
6: I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world.
5: Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I
1: am proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country.
6: Proud to serve in the U.S. Air
4: Force Reserve.
5: AFReserve.com
3: The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
7: It is it his time? Yes! And
5: Where's your hat? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise the biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary it's the king banyan show your source for penetrating economic insight razor sharp analysis and unflinching universal thought oh god that's all i need everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve let's go while we're young now here's professor king banyan
8: Good morning again. Welcome King Daniels Show, The Biz 1440, where I'm said to have an obsession with Jay Powell, and you're right. I have an obsession with the Fed. I was obsessed with Yellen. I was obsessed with Bernanke. I was obsessed with Greenspan. I was obsessed with um, every Fed, you know, Volker, Miller, Burns. Well, Burns might be the place where I it don't, I'm not really obsessed because they would have happened when I was a youth. Um, yeah, I think, I'm trying to think. I think, I was in co- when, I, I think when I was in college, uh, Arthur Burns was still chair of the Fed. Um, but I wasn't yet studying economics. Did you know I was a pre-med major once? That lasted about four months. Um, can't do a lab to save my life. Anyway, um, six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. So the Fed had a meeting, and and you know the, there was there was expectate. There was no expectation there'd be a change in policy at this meeting. Okay, and the Fed of course didn't let you down. Uh, they kept interest rates at zero. They left their 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 quantitative easing policy of buying one hundred twenty billion dollars worth of additional securities in place. With the same mix of eighty, eighty billion in Treasuries and forty billion in mortgage-backed securities, they did it. They did exactly what everyone expected them to do. The press conferences now become the thing. Um, it's not the statement. It's not the report. I mean, I read the statement and looked for the changes, and the changes are too small for me to give you. However I had to, and I have it, I have it up on my uh, I have it up on my screen if I need to look at it, but I don't think I'm gonna need to look at it. Here's no that's not it. In fact I did, I took it down already. Um, but I have the transcript, but I do have minutes from a previous meeting because I wanted to read something to you as we as we go through the, this piece. So he comes on, he comes on and says says right up front, and I appreciate this about Paul, he just says, here's what we decided. Now, let me tell you why. okay, I like that. I'll skip all the stuff about the unemployment rate and that there's lots of people still to be employed. We all know that, sir. We don't need we don't need any further information on that on that particular point. But when he gets to inflation, um, he says the following.
2: This is cut one. In the near term, twelve month measures of PCE inflation are expected to move above two percent as the very low readings from early in the pandemic fall out of the calculation, and past increases in oil prices pass through to consumer energy prices. Beyond these effects, we are also likely to see upward pressure on prices from the rebound in spending as the economy continues to reopen, particularly if supply bottlenecks limit how quickly production can respond in the near term. However, these one-time increases in prices are likely to have only transitory effects on inflation.
8: So first of all, you guys know I listen to these I listen to these meetings. I mean, my poor wife here sees me sitting in the easy chair in our living room and I've got the headphones on and she knows, you know, if I get the headphones on, I must be listening to something important because I want to be able to talk to my wife in the evening. I might have if I have music playing, I've got the airpods on and I don't use noise canceling because I want to hear her if she says something to me. But if I need to pay close attention to something I clap on the ones I wear in the airplane, and that's sort of like the uh, do not disturb (laughs) sign for my wife. So I had, you know, every fed meeting, I got those babies on for a night, and sometimes for 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 a bit of a second night too. I went back and listened to the last two. I'm reasonably certain I have not, and I've looked at the transcripts, I'm reasonably certain I've not heard him use the word bottleneck. This struck me as being new. It was interesting to me that he would go to he would rely on that number and then end it with that a bottleneck one is a one-time increase in prices likely to have only transitory effects on inflation. I'll come back to that point. I think that's worth I think that's worth talking about though in some detail. So I'm going to put that aside and 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 Brian I'll let you know I might play that first cut again. Um, so just be on the ready for that. He then goes ahead and talks about, talks about the, the, about the, uh, you know, our long run target is 2%. We're going to run above 2% for a while. And so to achieve the long run target 2%, he uses two, the number, uses the words 2%, I believe seven times in one paragraph. It's, it's mind boggling, but he thinks that's what he has to say. And then regarding the qe he says this cut number two
2: in addition we will continue to increase our holdings of treasury securities by at least 80 billion dollars per month and of agency mortgage backed securities by at least 40 billion dollars per month until substantial further progress has been made toward our maximum employment and price stability goals the increase in our balance sheet since march 2020 has materially eased financial conditions and is providing substantial support to the economy. The economy is a long way from our goals and it is likely to take some time for substantial further progress to be achieved.
8: So that's so basically we know and they have said and I want to read I'm going to read something to you in a bit but I need you to I need you to listen to something else first. They have said they they will they will reduce this number they will taper this at some point in the future but he says he says material ease financial conditions provided substantial support to the economy but it's gonna take time before he gets there the very first question that comes out of the gate okay he's this is like 20 seconds before the end of end of his comments 30 seconds before the end of his comments, and then and then uh, the, the 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 press officer comes on and and they're still doing this by Zoom. So the press officer calls on somebody to open up their mic and ask their question. The first person to open up their mic is is Paul Kiernan, uh, who I believe is from I believe is from the New York Times. I, I actually don't remember where where he works. Um, and and he he asked, he asked the very first question. It goes to the point you just heard. Play cut number
2: three. Um, is it time to start talking about talking about tapering yet? Have you and your colleagues had any conversations to those effect? Thanks. Thank you. So no, it is not time yet. Uh, we've said that we would let the public know when it is time to have that conversation, and we'd said we'd do that well in advance of any actual decision to taper our asset purchases, and we will do so. In the meantime, we'll be monitoring progress toward our goals. We first articulated this uh, substantial further progress test at our December meeting. Economic activity and hiring have just recently picked up after slowing over the winter. Uh, And it will take some time before we see substantial further progress.
8: So I, so I heard that in this piece, he says, he says, uh, we first articulated, I've got the transcript in front of me, first articulated the substantial further progress test at our December meeting. And I'm like, Okay, then what I should be doing is going to read the minutes of that meeting, which are out, right? Used to be, it took five years to get the minutes of a meeting. Uh, And it it still takes, I think, two years to get a transcript, but it takes five years. It only takes now um, 90 days or maybe even less, maybe it's 60 days to get the minutes of the meeting. So I went back to read the minutes. And so let me read to you. In addition, members agreed to be appropriate for the Federal Reserve to continue to increase its holdings of Treasury securities by at least 80 billion per month and HCMBS by at least 40 billion per month until substantial further progress has been made toward the committee's maximum employment and price stability goals. All right, um, so what are those goals that they said they have said um, they have said that. Uh, uh, Th- this 2% piece uh, that they've been talking about. And they they, sa- and they said back in December, in the minutes, they judge that these asset process, uh, uh, let me skip that. Members agreed that in assessing the appropriate stance of monetary policy, they would continue to look for, to monitor the implications of incoming information for the economic outlook, and they would be prepared to adjust stance of monetary policy as appropriate in the event that risk emerge that could impede the attainment of the committee's goals. That's a whole lot of mo- say. they said. Members also agreed that in assessing the appropriate standard monetary policy, they would take into account a wider range of information, including readings on public health, labor market conditions, inflation pressures and inflation expectations, and financial international developments, okay? He says we're, we're, we'll let you know when we're, we're going to let you know when we're thinking about tapering. We're not thinking about about tapering yet. Um, he then goes on and talks to uh, uh, talks to Gene Smallick at uh, the New York Times to also answer a question. This is cut number four
2: regarding inflation again. It seems unlikely, frankly, that we would see inflation moving up in a persistent way that would actually move inflation expectations up while there was still significant slack in the labor market. I won't say that it's impossible, but it, it, seems, um, it seems unlikely. Um, it's much more likely that we would, having achieved maximum employment conditions, we'd also be seeing 2 percent inflation and be on track to see inflation moving above 2 percent. They tend to move together.
8: Alright everyone. I wish I had I wish I had a button that could play like a, 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 a an alert sounder. Sort of sort of like the alarm on, on the on this on the Enterprise uh when they're about to go to battle stations. Okay? That, my friends, was the sound of the Phillips curve being sighted. Okay? We're, okay, so we're just checking to see if Jack's listening today. Um that was your Phillips curve warning, Jack. Okay what chair Powell said is you know what he said he he kind of hedged it a little bit he says yeah, it's on it you would be it seems unlikely he's not saying it's impossible he's saying it could be in it could happen possibly but he says you're gonna get maximum employment with inflation around 2% says basically we're gonna we're gonna be sure that that does happen but but honestly if I was giving you a test in my intermediate macro theory course as an undergrad and you gave me that answer, I would have asked, isn't it possible? What the question from Gene was, is it possible that expectations could move before actual inflation? Well, if expectations did move, all this means is that, the, that if you're using a Phillips curve analysis, that the Phillips curve shifted on you. And basically he's saying, ah, I don't think the Phillips curve is going to shift on me. I think it's going to stay pretty constant okay that seems like like pretty seriously serious stuff you know what I'm gonna we're gonna stop here for a moment but I want to play some reactions to some of this coming up right next then I'm gonna play you what I thought was the most interesting part an answer to a single question that ran on for like four minutes that was really fascinating it was an interesting dive into how the Fed is thinking about inflation All that comes up right after this on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440.
0: Zany sound we were going to write something flashy about streaming us at radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple too. Listen to the biz 1440 on the free radio.com app. Land of 10,000 lakes has an ice ring to it, but actually Minnesota has more than 11,800 lakes, but who's counting?
6: Well, there's Ann Lake, Balsam Lake, Cass Lake, Detroit Lake, Eagle Lake, Fox Lake, Gull Lake, Hidden Lake, Adam Lake, John Lake, craze Lake, Lean Lake.
0: But if water isn't your thing, Minnesota is also home to amazing hiking, biking, and more. Find your true north. Visit exploreminnesota.com. or Lake, Rainy Lake, Silver Lake, Toad Lake, Lock and Dam Pool Five A, We're here with another satisfied JTR roofing customer. What did your home need? We needed an exteriors update. We needed roofing, siding, um, entry doors and our storm doors replaced. Why did you choose JTR Roofing? After meeting with their sales team and looking at the products that they were offering as well as the warranty, it was an easy choice to choose JTR. What did you think of the work JTR did? The job was completed in a timely manner. The crews were very professional and the workmanship was outstanding. We didn't have any surprises along the way or on our final bill. JTR was very knowledgeable and made it very comfortable from start to finish. Our house looks great. We received multiple compliments from friends and family. I was 100% satisfied with the work from JTR.
6: Go to JTRRoofingInc.com to set up your no-obligation consultation. That's JTRRoofingInc.com.
0: There's a ton to explore at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Like the biggest savings around at our Half Off Deals tab. Click on Programs to see our daily lineup. Win prizes at the VIP Fan Club. Catch up on your favorite podcasts and more.
8: Welcome back, King Daniels Show. The biz
3: 1440
8: Perfect, that's a perfect song. That's the Jay Powell theme song Yeah, he wants to get back to 2019 who can blame him Who can blame him 2019 was pretty awesome except for the except for the guy in the White House at least it's great season seriously someone's someone's got to get a picture of of uh, president trump on a billboard with a miss me yet slogan it just someone's got to do it okay um uh, i i have mixed feelings about the pres, about president trump as uh, most every listener knows i have very mixed feelings about him not my cup of tea but um I, I I feel like playing the Dennis Green clip about uh losing a game losing a game to uh I believe the Cardinals. Uh they were who we thought they were. Joe Biden is who we thought he was. Um anyway, 6512894477. Uh <laughs> with your questions and comments. That's about as editorial as I want to be about about uh about uh, politics right now. Um so let me just play some of the commentary that came out afterwards. I'm going to wrap these around some of what we heard. Um, let me first play uh, uh, Joe Joe Berzuelas with uh, RBC, um, who was talking about um, who was talking about uh, the fact that he just doesn't see inflation happening. This was on Yahoo Finance on th- on uh, Wednesday afternoon. Go ahead and play that. Just cut eleven, Brian. Essentially what the Fed's going to say is, look, we just don't see anything
6: that requires us to alter our policy stance right now. We're expecting improvements in the pace of vaccinations and the public health situation, employment and growth. Thus, they're signaling there's going to be you know, an improvement in the overall forecast when we get the June summary of economic projections. And let's be honest, the Fed just doesn't see wage push inflation out there right now all that talk that we've just had to endure over the past 20 minutes where's the wage push inflation for all you inflationistas until we see that and it's not there because we have a k-shaped recovery you're not going to get the inflation that you're all talking about
8: all right joe I, i i'll i'll take the i'll i'll take that bet um as one person who you might call an inflationista The bet is that the only thing that can cause inflation is wage push. And that's simply incorrect. You can go back and look at uh, the two OPEC shocks to find two places where inflation resulted from changes in the price of of, of a raw material. I don't think OPEC has as much effect on inflation now as they did back then. But you don't have to go back all that far in history. Now, Joe, you're younger than me. Um, maybe I know stuff because I'm an old guy and you're not an old guy. I, I don't know how old he is, but I don't think, I don't, I don't think he's in his 60s. Um, he may not have been alive in 1973. He might not have been alive in 1979. Or maybe he was a small kid. Um, doesn't mean he doesn't know anything, but it means you could go read some history and find cases where inflation came from a cost push factor, but you don't even have to do that. Did inflation happen during the 1960s? Absolutely. What was the cause of the 1960s inflation? That was not in, that was not wage push inflation. That, my friend, was demand pull inflation that came from ex, from a government that decided that that it it wasn't a choice of guns or butter. They just wanted to have both. By the way. I, I, God, I'm going on about Biden today. I apologize. But but I wonder, for people who are making the Joe Biden to Franklin, uh, Franklin Roosevelt analogy, I wonder if he isn't just LBJ. He knows how to pass a spending bill, which LBJ knew how to do. LBJ was as much a master of the Senate as Joe Biden ever was. I'd argue that LBJ was much better at it, uh, having read some of uh, Robert Caro's uh, uh, extensive biography of LBJ. And I would I would argue that uh, he does it better, Uh, but I I fundamentally disagree. That wages is the only thing you need to look at to decide whether or not inflation is happening. And if that really is his position, um, I think he's going to be in for a rude awakening. Wages will come eventually, but if you wait for wages to get there and it's a demand pull inflation, you are way too late. I. I was writing about this back in the 80s, having studied the 60s and the 70s, where we distinguish between demand pull and cost push. You get higher wages in both cases, but it is fairly unusual for wages to be the initiating cause of an inflationary cycle, particularly in the United States. Particularly in the United States. Okay? I do not understand where Joe was coming from from that. He's usually really good, but that was... That, was, that boggled the mind to me. Let me move on then to go on to, uh, okay, go on to uh, the, the one comment that was really interesting for me. Uh, Heather Scott at the Washington Post asked a pretty simple question, but invoked the words that must never be spoken inside the Federal Reserve of 2021. She said, Larry Summers. So she asked, can you tell us what's the difference between th- this time versus previous periods, in the, like in the 1960s when inflation got out of control? Now, I will say, she's putting words in Summers' mouth. I do not think Summers believes this is a 60s-style demand-pull inflation. Okay, I don't think that's true, but he, I mean but I don't know. He might. It'd be very interesting if someone were to ask him that particular question. But Powell's answer ran on for minutes. Um, And what was more interesting is if you went to this, and if you can pull up, if you want to verify what I'm saying, the video of the speech is there on the Federal Reserve's website. Forward Forward the tape 23 minutes. Go into minute 23 of it. And notice the difference between that. and Look at how he answers some of the earlier questions. In the earlier questions, he's looking straight ahead at the camera. He's looking, he's he's kind of trying to look at the screen to find the reporter that asked the question, but his head is up during this answer. His head is down and it appears, and it was noted by people on Twitter at the time, and I say I agree, he's reading some of this answer. So I want to play this. This this was something that they clearly had thought about. They had an answer planted for the Larry Summers question if it got asked. Heather Scott afforded them the opportunity, and they swung into action. This is intentional. Let me play cut number five, please, Brian.
2: With a little bit of context, we're making our way through an unprecedented series of events, really, in which a synchronized global Shutdown is now giving way to widespread reopening of economies many places around the world. In the United States, fiscal and monetary policy continue to provide strong support. Vaccinations are now widespread, and the economy is beginning to move ahead with real momentum. During this time of reopening, we are likely to see some upward pressure on prices, and I'll discuss why. But those pressures are likely to be temporary as they are associated with the reopening process. And an episode of one-time price increases as the economy reopens is not the same thing as, and is not likely to lead to, persistently higher year-over-year year in, into inflation into the future, inflation at levels that are not consistent with our goal of 2% inflation over time.
8: Now, what's interesting about that is, did you hear any hesitation? Did you hear any urs and ums? Any pauses? No. He ran that straight the heck through. He's reading. He's reading. And I want you to... And the other thing that tells me he's reading is, is this particular sentence. During this time of reopening, we are likely to see some upward pressures on prices. And I'll discuss why. Meaning he knows it's later in the script. Okay? So that's my evidence. You can go look at the tape. I'm gonna assert he planned this response to to Larry Summers. So what's his response? Well, first, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna actually take the break here so that we can play we can play the next three cuts uh back to back to back, which will help us. Uh we're gonna play, we're gonna play them right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan show on the biz 1440.
3: Impact Mortgage Corp. TBA Cash Call Mortgage. NMLS ID 128231 Equal Housing Lender. Not licensed in all states including New York. Upper Loans over $200,000. Call 855 9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. If your mortgage rate is not in the twos, Cash Call Mortgage could save you money and get you the cash you need with a cash-out refi. Chances are your home has gained a ton of equity this past year. Turn that equity into cash to pay high-interest credit card debt, do home improvements, or to put money away for a rainy day. Don't wait for interest rates to go up. The time to re. Refi is now, while rates are still low. Take cash out and get a low interest rate at the same time. Cash Call Mortgage may be able to lower your mortgage rate and get you cash from your home's equity. Call now and we'll even cover the title, escrow, and appraisal fees to save you more money. For a free quote to see if you qualify, go to CashCallMortgage.com or call us today. Call 800-931-6651. That's 800-931-6651. 800-931-6651.
0: Would you like to get involved to help save the lives of innocent unborn babies? Join Pro-Life Across America's free national virtual celebration Thursday, May 6th. Learn how Pro-Life Across America's life-saving ads have made a difference. Their goal is to raise $100,000 to launch their annual summer billboard campaign. You can partner with them to help save babies' lives. Pro-Life Across America's free national virtual celebration Thursday, May 6th. Sign up for the event at prolifeacrossamerica.org.
5: Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain.
3: How do I fix a circuit breaker that keeps tripping?
2: Yeah, that sounds
3: like something to save for the professionals. You need to call Early Bird Electric. Their expertise is troubleshooting and rewires. They're offering a free service
8: call with purchased repair. Get same-day service and a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Early Bird Electric, call
7: 612 The Bird. Early Bird Electric, 612 The Bird. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket as Welcome back. To, to that same old place where uh, we're about Well the names have all changed since you hung
1: around.
8: My wife sent me an old and Saturday Night Live spoof of uh, Welcome oh, Back Potter. It holds up really well. I think the spoof yeah, is 25 years I old now. <laughs> Ah, uh, but it, the skit—it's it's quite good. Um, it's on—it's on, it's on uh, YouTube. You can go find it. Welcome back to the uh, King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. Welcome back to the review of the Jay Powell uh, press conference from Wednesday. So he's reading a script, and he invokes—he invokes, he invokes uh, um, uh, this, and he says. And, and, then, and, and so he's been asked, is this like the 1960s and, and they have Larry Summers and he's got a script. He's got a script in front of him because he's all of a sudden not changing. The, the tone stays the same. He's steadily through. He's actually signposted within his answer that he's going to give you something more later. He doesn't signpost unless he's reading something. Uh, I have never seen him do that. It's not how his brain is organized uh, in, in, in a a Q and a um, so it's not a criticism. It's just it, it, some people Some people have closed their eyes, thought through their answer and said, I'm gonna do one, then two, then three. And, then, and, and when I see people do that, they sometimes will signpost. He doesn't. So he said, you know, um, he says one-time increases are not the same as steady 2% expected inflation. Um, he then says, he then adds after that, it, it's our job not to make, uh, not to let inflationary expectations get above 2%. And then he says this, cut number six, please, Brian.
2: If if contrary to expectations, inflation were to move persistently and materially above 2% in a matter that threatened to move uh, in longer-term inflation expectations materially above 2%, we would use our tools to bring inflation and expectations down to mandate consistent levels. And I would say, if I may, that is a principal difference from we're all very familiar at the Fed with the history of the 1960s and 70s, of course. And uh, we know that our job is to achieve 2% inflation over time. We're committed to that and we will use our tools to do that.
8: In other words, we're not the, the Fed of the 1960s. That's basically his defense. He says, look, we know better. We 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 remember the 1960s, we're not doing that again. We're gonna make, as I like to say, they're gonna make their own mistakes um he then goes ahead and explains um why he thinks inflation will move up in the near term so he signposted why he that he was going to do this and this has got to be also therefore on the script that he's reading from which is sort of like if you get asked about summers read this so he's broken the glass he's taken out the he's taken out the sheet of paper and this comes-this comes next in his explanations. So this is cut seven,
2: please. Um, 12-month measures of inflation are likely to move well above 2 percent over the next few months as the very low inflation readings recorded in March and April of last year drop out of the calculation. That process has already started to show up. You saw it in the March CPI reading, and you'll see it later this week in the PCE price data. These base effects will contribute about one percentage point to headline inflation, and about seven-tenths of a percentage point to core inflation in April and May. So significant increases, and they'll disappear over, over the following months, and they'll be transitory. They carry no implication for the rate of inflation in later periods.
8: Now, that explanation he's given before, it is mildly persuasive. It is persuasive for me only insofar as it's almost immediately refutable if those core rates continue to run well above two percent for longer than may you can come back to him in june and july well the june reading won't be there till july so you come back to him in july and august and by the time they get to uh the the jackson hole conference which i'm going to assume is happening in person when he gets to jackson hole whether or not those ended up being transitory some of the evidence will now become available. When we get to August. And I like that okay I like them saying you you say that's like okay so you're telling me. You're telling me and I'm okay with the idea that. We think we're going to be above 2% for this period of time. That's a base effect we're not going to pay attention to it. I actually accept that that's possible. But there are other issues out there and. Again, for the first time, I believe the Fed is now citing bottlenecks in the supply chain as being a reason why inflation might run above 2% for longer than April and May. And he says this. This is cut number eight, please, Brian. Uh,
2: A bottleneck really is a temporary blockage or restriction in the supply chain for, for a particular good or goods something that slows down the process of producing goods and delivering them to the market. We think of bottlenecks as things that, in their nature, will be resolved as workers and businesses adapt, and we think of them as not calling for a change in monetary policy since they're temporary and expected to resolve themselves. We know that the base effects will disappear in a few months. It's much harder to predict with confidence the amount of time it will take to resolve the bottlenecks, or, for that matter, the temporary effects that they will have on prices in the meantime. What's
8: now, I'm going to disagree with, with Chair Bow on, on this particular point. I'm OK with the first part, but on bottlenecks. bottlenecks arise from a breakdown in the, the supply chain, from specialization. Those breakdowns, and I'm looking, I'm keeping an eye on my Twitter feed because I have a few folks who are in engineering who listen to the show. Are bottlenecks transitory and resolved by adaptation alone? And, and do you think they are? Now that's, that's a separate question. So I'm going to read this to you again. We think of bottlenecks as things that in their nature will be resolved as workers and businesses adapt. That's part one. And again, this is scripted. Do I think that's true? Will be resolved as workers and businesses adapt. Yes, but they take time and the amount of inflation that happens during that adaptation could last for quite quite a while. Secondly, he says, we think of them as not calling for a change in monetary policy, comma. I might agree with that because I tend to believe that money is, is neutral. I don't think money has an impact on GDP in the long run, okay? Since they're temporary and expected to resolve themselves, I don't know that they resolve themselves. In this environment, do we know that a bottleneck can, can be resolved quickly? Inflation might run for a while. So what they're basically saying is, Some cost push inflation that happens that lasts six months, 12 months, 18 months because businesses are having trouble adapting to the differences, the shock to the system from the supply chain, which we, that the chair and the Fed and I and maybe you agree is unprecedented. No, they're just going to go away. Is this a, a real analysis or is this a handy crutch that you can use to sort of say, you know what, when I get to August at Jackson Hole, if inflation's still running, I'm just going to cite the bottleneck story and say, it'll work itself out. We don't really have to do anything yet. That feels strongly like an excuse for greater inflation. Liz Young, who is an economist with SoFi Capital, um. He's in agreement with the chair. He just doesn't think inflation is that big a deal. Let's go ahead and play this. This is cut number 14, please.
0: Yeah, I don't think that it's going to be a huge problem this year because there's also been so many signals that we won't know if it's transient or not. And I think we will get higher inflation readings before the end of the year, but there's still the expectation that they're going to self-correct at some point. We won't know if they're going to be sticky. We won't know if they're going to persist until 2022. And then it's more a matter of, Are they persistent enough that the Fed has to move? And one thing that's interesting, though, is if you look at CPI numbers, between 1% and 3%, the market still tends to move up. So we have some room here. And if we're looking at a Fed average target of 2%, we've got even more room. So I don't think 2021 is the inflation problem. I think 2022 Mm -hmm. is is
4: more of the problem.
8: So it's interesting what Liz says, in essence, is, The Fed's going to be patient, and we all probably should be patient, at least till 2022. Okay. And that, if we get all the way to 3%, the market's not likely to react negatively to that. Yeah, that's possible. But I do think we're, we're, we've created the bottleneck story, and I think you'll hear lots more about bottlenecks, because that's where they think, that's where they think uh, they have a reason for these changes um and he reinforces this later in an answer to uh asked by uh, Michael Derby from the Wall Street Journal do you have any red lines on inflation readings where if you know you hit a certain number on core PCE that you'd be uh you, that you would trigger a response from the Fed his first answer which i think i cut off was it doesn't work that way and it was almost there was almost a little bit of irritation in his voice. Play cut number nine to hear the rest of the answer.
2: Inflation measures are always going to be a bit volatile. We expect, as I mentioned, we expect core and, and headline PCE to move up because of base effects. And, um, you know, uh, there, and we expect that to go away. We, we also expect these, these bottleneck effects uh, to come in. We don't know how persistent they'll be. We, we think they'll, you know, it's a matter of uh, of, of when they will pass through, not whether they will pass through, but we can't be confident about the exact timing of that or the size of them. Uh, they don't seem especially large at the moment, but you know, we we don't know. I mean, we, you know, this is this is all about the reopening of the economy. That's what's happening. We had we were in a deep, deep hole a year ago, and now with a lot of help from fiscal policy, some additional help from from monetary policy, and you know, a great deal of help from vaccination we're seeing a strong rebound in activity. And what's happening is it's, it's, you, demand can be spurred with fiscal transfers and the saved-up fiscal transfers and, and people going back to work and things like that. The supply side will take a little bit of time to, to adapt. Uh, new restaurants will have to be opened. Um, the supply of various inputs into the goods part of the economy uh, will have to be brought back up to speed. And, and you'll, you're seeing some of that. It, he's talking about
8: something that's going to happen in quarters not in not in months but in quarters this inflation that is coming he admits he's not sure and he sort of he there's a point where he almost is like shrugging his shoulders like hey guys this is really hard we, we've never done this before we don't know how this is going to turn out but of course he can't really say that but that answer had about as much wiggle and hesitation as I usually see him have, I, you know, it was it's not a case of the mass slipping as much as him trying to say back to Derby, hey, look, this is a lot harder than you think it is. It's just a lot harder than that. And so and so they've now adopted this bottleneck statement as a strategy for how they're going to talk about the second half of 2021. And it means that they'll continue to be inactive even on the even on the front of tapering of quantitative easing of the asset purchases well into the end of 2021 and maybe not even come off that until 2022. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. The Biz
0: 1440, KYCR Golden Valley.
3: Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation.
0: Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com.
2: American
3: pressure! Spray it, don't say it. Pressure pumps and parts to get the job done. Pro pressure washers and the Arctic steamer. Our service and selection is second to none. Professional quality from the proven leader. American pressure, INC.com.
0: Listen to the King Banyan Show Saturday mornings at 9 here on the Biz 1440. It's the latest economic news, trade information, your monthly jobs report, and much more. Join us this Saturday morning live on the Biz 1440. Whoa, look at all these options. You could fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream the Biz 1440. Top shelf choices include TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, our free app, and Radio.com.
1: Nice.
8: King Van, you show the biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. I enjoy doing the uh, Powell uh, conferences because I know i got some listeners that really enjoy it. I hope you have as well. Let's end, let's end that hour with a little bit of fun. Uh, let's call this the cheesesteak segment. Um, Powell right afterwards is asked by uh, another reporter about whether or not uh, he finds stock markets frothy and whether or not perhaps the, uh, the stock markets are th- frothy and whether or not monetary policy has something to do, to do with that. And this was part of Powell's answer to this it takes about a minute. Go ahead and play cut 10, please.
2: One of the areas is asset prices. And I would say some of the asset prices are high. You are seeing, seeing things in the capital markets that, that are, that are a bit frothy. That's a fact. I won't say it has nothing to do with with monetary policy, but it also it has a tremendous amount to do with vaccination and reopening of the economy. That's really what has been moving markets a lot in the last few months. Is this this turn away from what was a pretty dark winter to now uh, a, a vast, va- a much faster vaccination process and a faster reopening? So that's that's part of what's going on. The other the other things, though, um, you know, leverage in the financial system is it is. Is not a problem. That's a, that's a that was one of the four pillars. Asset prices was one. Leverage in the financial system is is not an issue. We have very well capitalized large banks. Um, we have funding risks for for our largest financial institutions are also very low. We do have some funding risk issues around money market funds, but I would say uh, they're not systemic right now.
8: Well, I don't know about that, sir. Um... In the, uh, sent to me by a political science prof here at, at St. Cloud State, a re- enjoyable article from the Financial Times Thursday titled, The Strange Case of the $100 Million Deli and the Universities that Own a Slice of It. So, two universities, Duke and Vanderbilt, have money in a company called Hometown International. It is a, it is a, on the other OTC, it's a NASDAQ, it's not a NASDAQ listed company. So you kind of have to go find the brokers that have shares that they can trade. Its average daily volume is about 1,500 shares. Okay. They went to look it up. It's actually one, It so it got quoted by David Einhorn, who looked into the company, a couple weeks ago, David Einhorn, a hedge fund manager, who said, who said, look at this, their market value, and I'm looking at the, the Yahoo Finance piece, he said $100 million, as of, as of the close of the stock market on Friday, $97,852,000. Their total sales in the deli, $13,976, according to this Financial Times report. Einhorn says the pastrami must be amazing. But there's an interesting story here because, in essence, what this stock seems to be set up to do um, was, was the fact that there are folks investing in this, including Duke and Vanderbilt, but through a Hong Kong firm that was created. This driving money into this has a, quote, lucrative variation on the special purpose acquisition companies that have recently helped to drive corporate deal making to 40 year highs. In essence, what you're doing is you're buying their listing and then you throw a bunch of money into this and then you use that money to acquire another company. And this is again, this is a company that has stated, you know, they could take those shares of stock and give them to somebody else, make an all stock deal in a merger and the stock deal then allows you to acquire another company that's worth 80 to $90 million. My goodness. Well, why would anyone actually invest in this? If not the answer to be because if they, if Duke and Vanderbilt invest in the usual safe assets they get, they're probably only going to get 1%, 2%, 3% interest. Here's a chance for them to hit a home run. If this, if this vehicle does that, creating those, those SPACs that you hear about is a 75 to $100 million business. Anyway, if you can go get another company that's already registered, it's fine. But basically, this deli looks like a shell game, a shell company that's being used to stock other places. And why would that happen? Except in a world where markets are kind of frothy. Okay, so Chair Powell, you might not want to take uh, blame for this. But you're not helping matters at all, sir. Thank you so much for listening and for being part of the Hour of the Fed. Job Saturday is next week. Brian, thanks so much for the music and for, your, and for your production today and for cutting up all that audio. That was great. 82.6 degrees currently in the office, so I'm getting out of here. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440.
1: Well, I moved into the house in uh, the summer of 2018, and the siding was terrible. Hi, I'm Dave from Mata I got a hold of JTR through Friends. It almost looked like uh, a giraffe. There were dark stains where the water had saturated the old paint that was on it. But there were other things that needed addressing and uh, there were a multitude of things from putting doors in and railings and, and doing some electrical and things like that, all of which jtr gladly folded into the contract and took care of for me it was an amazing transformation in fact my brother-in-law who had visited before we had the siding done when he came back about a month after it had been done he stopped out in front of the house and called me and said what's your address again because he couldn't believe the difference
0: contact jtr roofing now for your siding roofing and window needs
7: every day
6: Hi, this is PJ from PJ's Appliance Outlet, your local, family-owned and operated appliance store. No matter where you live in the Twin Cities, PJ's is worth the drive. We're centrally located in Plymouth. Just this past month, we've had satisfied customers from Maple Grove, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Eden Prairie, Bloomington, all over the Twin Cities. We take great pride in separating ourselves from those overpriced big box stores by simply providing over-the-top customer service, great quality products at unbeatable prices. PJs has quickly become the trusted go-to store for brand new scratch-and-dent appliances. You can save hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars on brand new, warranty-name brand refrigerators, ovens, washers, and dryers, dishwashers, and freezers. Top brands like LG, Frigidaire, and much more. Come visit our showroom today and ask for PJ, Bob, or Jake, or visit our website at pj'sapplianceoutlet.com. That's
2: pj'sapplianceoutlet.com, where every deal is a steal.